Thing. Thank you, Pastor Matt. So good to see everybody today, my Rad Fam. If you're new here and don't know what Rad Fam means, you're part of the Radiant Life family. That's what it means. Welcome. Love you guys. Hope everybody had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Got full. We did not do a traditional meal of the turkey and stuff. We did. We had steak and fried rice. So I'm not a traditionalist. If it doesn't make sense, we're not doing it. All right. But yes, I'm so thankful to be here, so thankful to be bringing this message to you this morning. This has been on my heart for the last couple months and just, um, you know, I spoke at, uh, on a Wednesday night service and I, I mentioned this in my, in my uh, ser- sermon that, you know, sometimes we look in the mirror at a reflection in a man-made object, which is the mirror, and we see the reflection of what's in our mind or what the world calls us. And we don't see what God sees. And I had the opportunity to speak to the youth as well a couple weeks ago. And God placed this message on my heart again that, again, our reflection of what we see is not always what God sees. Our reflection in that mirror is not the reflection that the word says about us or calls us or reminds us who we are. So as I was praying, getting prepared for this message, it's just set for you. So if you're here this morning, whether you believe in God or not, whether you believe that Jesus died for your sins, whether you have placed him as Lord and Savior of your life, what's in this word is true. What God sees of you is true. Even if you have not called him God yet or called him Lord, he still thinks of you this way as we move forward. Today we're going to take a closer look at seeing ourselves through God's eyes. How many know it can be challenging to understand our identity in God? Because often we focus on our reflection in the mirror instead of the image God sees. You ever find yourself looking at your own reflection in the mirror and thinking, man, I'm ugly. I got a big forehead, pointy nose, fat, skinny. It's just awkward. Or sometimes looking at a reflection, I'm just not smart. I'm not as smart as that sibling or that neighbor or my friend. I'm not strong enough. I'm not strong enough mentally, physically, or spiritually. Sometimes we're, we say, I'm not fast enough. I can't get there. I can't do these things fast enough. Or I'll never be good enough for them. Whether that's friends, whether that's family, doesn't matter how much I change, they still see me as the same person, as that old person. And that reflection in the mirror, we're looking at that. We get caught up in that. Or... I can't believe that I made that mistake or that decision. Or I hate myself. I hate what I see in the mirror. I hate that reflection. Or worse yet, the world would be better off without me. 
How many of you do this? Raise your hand. Whether you're a long-time believer or maybe you just haven't accepted Christ yet, these are the thoughts that go through our minds. And sometimes it's the reflection that we see in the mirror. Sometimes it's a reflection of what other people say or talk about us. This is not how our Father sees you. I want to remind you of that today. Open your Bibles to 1 Samuel 16. We're going to read verses 1 through 13. I'm here to remind you and tell you of who God has called you. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve our, over Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears that, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Food always makes us do better things, right? <laughs> but every time we have a get-together with family, that isn't always the case. We bring the food, but still ugly happens, amen? Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Mm, that's good, isn't it? Then Jesse called Abinadab and made his pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, the Lord has not chosen these. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not come has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So if you're not familiar 
with what would happen or what's happening, Samuel's passing along all those that should be in line for their father's inheritance. David, the last, I don't know if the least of the brothers, but very last of the brothers, he's not getting anything. He's not getting an inheritance. He has a name, that's it. Samuel calls him out and anoints him in front of his brothers. Now he's in trouble. He's trying to stay in good graces with his brothers so he can at least get you know, free room and board when his brothers take over, right? David, being a shepherd, he's out in the field. He has nothing to look forward to. A simple life, that's it. Just a simple life. Singing and praising to God. How good is that? No worries. He's not worried about his inheritance. I have four points today. Point one, the shepherd's heart. David, known for his humble beginnings as a shepherd, was chosen by God to be Israel's second king. Despite his youth and seeming insignificance of his role, God saw something extraordinary in David. A heart after his own. In 1 Samuel 16, 7, we're reminded that the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Just like David, our worth is not determined by worldly standards. God sees our hearts, our desires, our intentions, and willingness to follow him. I could have went on another message on this next piece, but I just wanted to share a shepherd's responsibilities of keeping the sheep and what that meant as a shepherd. A shepherd cares for their flock. That's their primary duty, is to make sure of the well-being and safety of their sheep. They guide and lead them to waters and pastures. They protect them from thieves and other animals. The shepherd knows the sheep by number, by their appearance. They have to. They have to know when that sheep is sick, when something's off or something's wrong. It's a lot of responsibility. They also care for them. They provide healing. Anytime a sheep wanders off, they go on and rescue and search for them. They restore them and bring them back into the flock. They live with the flock. They live with the sheep. They know their sheep. Their sheep know their voice. In the case of David, before he became the king of Israel, he was a shepherd. The responsibilities he had as a shepherd are symbolic of qualities of leadership, care, and protection. This background as a shepherd played a significant role in shaping David's character, and it prepared him for the leadership role he would later assume. Now, isn't it amazing how God sees us and knows us allowing us to go through seasons for his purpose long before 
we know or understand why. He knows right where you're at right now. He knows what you've done. The season that you're in is not your last. He's preparing you for something bigger. If you find a place to be able to give it to him and hand it to him and leave it there, he's going to do good with it. That's his promise. I could stop here. That's pretty much a whole sermon in itself. I just want to unpack a little bit more in this message. My second point is the flawed yet faithful warrior. David's life wasn't without its struggle. His well-known affair with Bathsheba and what happened afterwards shows that even very faithful people can have serious mistakes. Yet even in his brokenness, David sought God's forgiveness and mercy. If you're looking to be perfect, the only way that we can be perfect is through Christ and has his sacrifice through his blood. Our mistakes do not define us. Through repentance and seeking God's forgiveness, we can find redemption and restoration. But we need to repent for him to redeem us and restore us. When we make that decision to put Jesus as our Lord and Savior, it doesn't mean that we're not going to make mistakes. It doesn't mean that we're going to fail. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden everybody's going to like us. There are going to be times and moments that people will not like you and say negative things about you. Even in your own household, even in your church body, or just people. Point three, the psalmist's reflections. David's psalms provide a window into his soul, a raw, unfiltered dialogue with God. And in Psalm 139, David marvels at the depth of God's knowledge about him, saying, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. And I don't know where you're at. I don't know what your reflection is today. But when I hear that, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me, there's a mighty God that wants to know who you are and knows who you are. He created you. He knew you when you were in the womb. God knows us intimately, and in times of joy, sorrow, and uncertainty, we can find peace in the fact that God understands us completely. If I can have the keyboard player come up and a prayer team. I know often I do a lot, and even in these last years that I've put the Lord as my Savior and put Him as my Lord, it hasn't been easy. I still see the reflection of the old man that I used to be. I still remember the things that I did before I came to know Christ. And that's a heavy thing to just sit there each and every morning as you're brushing your teeth, as you're shaving or whatever it is, getting prepared for the day, and see that or hear those things or be reminded of the old, old man. 
But when we give our lives to God, when we put him first, we put him as our Lord and Savior. This is the reflection that we should be looking at. If you're not in this word, if you're not in the Bible, each and every day, the world's going to beat you up. You're going to beat yourself up. You're going to say things that are not true. You're going to say things or think things that God never intended you to be. God's called us for, to so much more. And his word, his promises, it's all in here. We just have to look. And when we put God first, when we put the Lord first, that puts everything away. We just set God up at the forefront. That's a good thing. Point four, the promise of a legacy. When I gave my heart to God eight years ago, my wife and I had been married 10 years at that time. We never talked about God, never talked about Jesus, never talked about anything like that. We never went to uh, church, maybe at a wedding or something. But God had told me that I needed to be an example to my family. God made me a promise that he would give me a legacy on a new foundation, a foundation on him. I get up each and every morning and I am so thankful and I hold, hold tight to that promise. On my worst days, I hold tight. Brian, just hang in there. Brian, you need to get in the word. Brian, remember what God's called you. Remember who God tells you you are. And if I do that, if I'm consist consistent, he's promised me a legacy that my kids won't have to go through the things that I put myself through or I did, you know, I put myself through or maybe some generational curses that my grandkids, they have a new life. And when we look in the mirror, those are the things that we should be looking at. Those are the things that should be the re reflecting back to us. Amen. Romans 10, 9 through 10 states, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. It's that simple. He makes it that easy. Russ's stuff isn't that easy. <laughs> that part is easy. But what makes it easier is when we get into the Word. When we start getting into the Word and understanding who God has called us to be. What He tells us about ourselves. I want to give opportunity for those that have never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you're tired of what you see in the mirror you want to see yourself as our Father sees us, if you want a personal relationship with God, our Creator, 
I want you to take a step of faith and pray after me. And if everybody will join me in this prayer, I don't want to single anybody out, but I don't want to miss out on this opportunity. Because that reflection that I was talking about earlier of how God sees you, that starts today. doesn't matter where you came from or what you did even this morning or even since the time that you've been in these seats. Just repeat after me. Father, forgive me. I am sorry for the way I have lived my life. I believe you have sent your son Jesus to die and rise from the dead for my sins. Today I put you as my Lord and Savior. Today I make the commitment to follow you. In Jesus' name. Now I want to give another opportunity for those of you that have struggled with your own reflection. I would just like to invite you to come forward and have our prayer team pray over you and remind you that is not how God sees you. And as you come up forward for prayer, I do want to remind you of what God calls you. He's created you as an image of him. He said that you are chosen and called. You're set apart for a special purpose. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you see that when you look in the mirror? Because God does. Fearfully and wonderfully made. You're valued. As I said earlier, he's known you since you've been in the womb. He calls us treasured possession. That's why I say to my wife too, she's my treasured possession. We're loved with everlasting love. Our love is unconditional, or his love is unconditional, and it's enduring. He calls us the apple of his eye. He calls us his workmanship. He calls us a royal priesthood. Now, if we don't get into word, if we don't get into the Bible, we don't know this. We don't know what he's called us to be. He calls us citizens of heaven. He calls us joint heirs with Christ. If you come from a a family of mine, oh, divorce is ugly, isn't it? I've been on both sides. I've, been, I've gone through divorce when I was a little kid. I've gone through divorce as a, an adult. And it tears everything apart of families. It's not the way that God's designed it. If that's something that you struggle with, of your identity, 
just remember, the Bible says we're joint heirs with Christ. He calls us sons and daughters. When you look in the mirror, I want you to see a son and daughter of God, our creator. His unconditional love and mercy is something that I've never seen before in my life. His forgiveness and redemption, another. He adopts us as children. He chose us. He said, I want that one right there. I want that one right there. He calls us instruments of God's glory. He has plans for good. So whatever season you're going through or whatever season you have gone through, he has plans for it, for his good. You just need to allow him to do it, to work in that good. He says, we are his delight. He says he knows us personally. How many of you want to be known? He calls us holy. He says he wants to be our friends. He calls us to a freedom that we've never known. He says that we are conquerors through him. So whatever battle that you're going through right now, he's got you. He calls us a holy temple. When you guys go home this week, when you go home today, I want you to look in the mirror. Even when you get in the car, I want you to look at that rear view mirror. I want you to see what I've just spoken. I want you to see what God's word says about you, how God sees you. Let go of what images you see of yourself what the world calls you. Give it to God and allow him to make those changes. If you've accepted Jesus into your heart this morning, he's called you to so much more. If you've accepted Jesus, but just in a deep valley, he's still with you and he still called you. Father, as we finish our time together, I want to thank you for teaching us through David's story that what matters most is our hearts and our choice to follow you. Not just how we look on the outside. We're not perfect and sometimes we mess up. Father, remind us to seek you asking for forgiveness and help. Your grace can make things right again. Lord, you really do know us inside and out. And whether we're happy, sad, or confused, you see us and understand us. Lord, give us the strength to see ourselves the way you do. Help us carry the lessons we learn today into everyday lives so we can show your love and grace with those around us and the generations after. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to thank you for joining us this morning. And remember, 
Be careful what you watch. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you talk about. Savor the presence of Jesus. Have a good day.